0: Hello and welcome again to Curiously Polar, the podcast about everything very north and very south. My name is Chris Marquardt, and with me, as usual, is Henry Paul. Hi, Henry. Hi, how are you today? I'm wonderful. We have. Why is that? Just, I'm just a uh, sunny, I uh, have a very sunny disposition. Even in winter, it's, it's kind of grey outside right now. That's a very nice feature. <laughs> what, what's the weather like with you? I, I I hear you are in the middle of a storm in uh, Reykjavik right now. Oh, well, we have
1: kind of, um, it's, it's autumn. Um, I'm not in Reykjavik, I'm in the countryside actually right now. And um, we are facing just yeah, storms every now and then. And the last couple of days have been very windy. So we're talking about wind speeds, about 30, 35 meters per second. So
0: As is camp. usual around these times in, uh, yeah, in that's, Iceland. Yeah, it has
1: um, increased over the past years. So we always had some, some storms in autumn, but the, the, the number, the extent has increased. And it's extending throughout the whole winter and the spring. So everybody's looking forward for summer again.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, winter is coming first.
1: Yeah, for me, I'm heading down uh, south where I'm just chasing the next summer. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 go to where summer is okay. All right. Um. Yeah, we are back with a uh, with another uh, short episode about the Arctic Circle Assembly in Reykjavik, and uh, you've been there talking to people. We had episode seventy two where we talked to Peter Wadham's uh, seventy three Anja Sommerfeld of the Mosaic Project, and now we are uh, here with Sarah Olswick. Um, What did you talk to her about?
1: I talked to Sarah about um, an insight of how indigenous people, especially uh, Inuit, are perceiving climate change, their role in that, their possibilities and chances, and how their local knowledge is acknowledged in uh, science. And um, Sarah is a very interesting uh, person. I'm really glad that I had the chance to um, catch an interview with her. She started her career after university as um, the representative of the Inuit Circumpolar uh, Council at the United Nations. Um, then she was uh, a coordinator for human rights and the um, manager of the Inuit uh, Circumpolar Council. And 2011, she became the member of the Danish parliament for Greenland. So Greenland has two seats in the Danish parliament. And she was one, I was occupying one of that. And then in 2013, she became member of the Greenlandic parliament. Today, she works uh, for UNICEF in uh, Greenland. And uh, yeah, I had a nice little talk to her. So just let's dive in.
2: My name is Sarah Olsvi. I'm an anthropologist by training. I work currently for UNICEF Denmark at UNICEF's office in Greenland, where I'm head of program. Uh, and prior to that, I was a politician for seven years. And prior to that, I worked with Indigenous Peoples' Rights in the Inuit Polar Council.
1: So you've been politician in the Greenlandic Parliament?
2: I was member of the, the Danish Parliament elected in Greenland there's two seats for Greenlanders in the Danish Parliament and then I was member of the Greenland Parliament and also for a period I was uh, Minister of Social Affairs in Greenland
1: All right um, we hear a lot about um, climate change and the impact of climate change in the Arctic region how it changes or just paints a new picture of um, of the Arctic region and we hear a lot about um, how that changes um the living for, for for the people up there in the area but we very rarely hear the people themselves uh, um do you have a, um, a first hand um yeah story to tell about how that changes your life up in the arctic in, in those regions
2: mm. well um i'm inuk so i'm also indigenous uh, uh, to the arctic um and uh, if we look at at The Inuit, as a people, uh, we have a long history. Of course, uh, thousands years, thousands of years, we've been in the Arctic in Greenland. It's four thousand five hundred years that has been um, that our people have been been um, uh, living in Greenland um, as a nomadic people. Uh, in, in, in pre-colonial times, we would walk across the Arctic from Siberia from Chukotka from uh, uh, Alaska through Canada to Greenland. So there's been like these waves of different um, Inuit cultures walking into Greenland or, 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 or entering into Greenland. So we have a long, long history, of course, uh, thousand, m- many thousands of years back uh, living in the Arctic. Uh, and, and and I think one thing that, that people uh, from outside of the Arctic tend to forget is that we as a people, so the Inuit people, we actually are in contact with each other, we know each other, we have our own organisation called the Inuit Circumpolar Council, uh, for which the foundation was, was, was laid through the first meetings uh, and Arctic People's Conferences in, in the 1970s. Uh, when I was a parliamentarian uh, member of the Danish parliament, we, I was hosting a 40-year 40, 40 commemoration of the first Arctic People's Conference. Uh, because it was actually held in one of the rooms uh, in the Danish parliament building back in 1973, where our peoples met with Sami people um, from the Nordic countries, um, and for the first time actually started to talk to each other also on political issues. So we have a long history, both going back in time as as cultures and peoples living in the Arctic, but also through uh, more recent times, Building um, uh, an Arctic policy, so to speak. Um, taking the example of the Inuit Circumpolar Council, which was previously called Inuit Circumpolar Conference, um, our organization very early on did an Arctic policy, uh, telling the world how we see our future and our our homeland develop. Uh, and and along with that, on this, you know, uh, uh, parallel to that. A lot of our nations have built self-government systems. We look at Greenland, we have had home rule since 1979, and now self-government since 2009. Uh, Nunavut uh, is also a, 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 an autonomous, um, has an autonomous uh, 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 system. Nunavut, uh has the same. And, and in, even if you look at Alaska, there's different kinds of governmental systems where we have as Inuit, quite uh, a quite high degree of self determination, um, and this history that goes back uh, thousands of years, and, and and now also tens of years in regards to being part of a global geopolitical conversation. Um, I think it's important to remember that that now that the Arctic is is sort of rising on the agenda again, it's not new to us. We have seen it. We've been through it all before. Um, The new thing now is that that the world society has, through the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, through the self-government agreements, for example, the Greenlandic one, we are recognized as a people pursuant to international law. These instruments are now in place, uh, and therefore, I I would say that the new thing is that the new development going on, or development in general going on in Greenland, should be human rights approached. So... So um, I think that, that there's a lot of things that are not really on the agenda for, for non-Arctic um, uh, actors around the world, and also even the Arctic nation-states. Um, so, so the important thing, I, I think, is for both Inuit Circumpolar Council, but also all others that work uh, with indigenous peoples' rights uh, in the Arctic, we must continue to claim our rights and, and inform about our rights, um, promote our rights, uh, because we were the ones that fought for them uh, in the UN system and internationally.
1: Indeed. Um, how, how did that change? You spoke about that you, your, your um, ancestors have a very nomadic tradition, so they were basically following um, the food, they were following the hunting grounds, and that changed quite a lot. Very recently, it's not that long ago, that, um, from the nomadic to a settlement um, kind of uh, tradition. How had that, that changed um, the, uh, the culture within the Inuit people?
2: Well, Inuit have always been very good at ad- adapting. Uh, that is also part of being a nomadic people. We adapted uh, and lived one place in the summer, and adapted and lived another place during the winter in traditional times. We adapted uh, according to exactly which animal were there to hunt in the in particular area that we were in. Um, and therefore we are also adapting now. Uh, what we are seeing though is that the climate change is happening very fast. And it is also, f- of course, adapting our livelihoods uh, on both uh, uh, on the ground, local manner, but also on an international scale. Um, So the increased activities we see in the Arctic, of course, they have implications uh, to us. And what we particularly see in these years is that the increased activities also uh, uh, draw with them increased attention. We've seen it now with the US President Trump uh, suggestion to buy Greenland, which was quite a, uh, at first, it it was a a thing that we laughed about, but a, a little bit afterwards, for me at least, it got me thinking that exactly those rights that we fought for for so long uh, clearly had not been recognized um, that we are a people uh, with the right to self-determination and, and, and with self-government. Um, so, so this is just an example uh, that I want to mention to, to show the picture that there's still so much to fight for in this change that is happening because of climate change, because of conflicts going on other places in the world. Because of the Arctic consisting of states that are the superpower states in the world, uh, we as peoples of the Arctic have to keep uh, claiming our rights and promoting our rights. So so um, uh, change for me is not only climate change. That is, uh, uh, climate change is, is, is a very, very serious issue that, that Inuit have been calling for attention for, for many decades. Um, But change in another sense, so in the security sense uh, in in regards to the Arctic being subjected to more militarization is also a very, very serious matter where we as peoples, although for many of us in our self-government agreements do not have a sovereign right to do our own uh, foreign uh, policy uh, defense policy and security policy—we actually do in 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 real terms. So in de facto, we are doing policies on those areas because they are part of uh, decisions that are taken by us on all other areas. An example could be Greenland is now building a new um, airport infrastructure and we can't talk about our critical infrastructure without talking the security and defense implications so although the these are decisions taken locally by our own parliament and government we have to be aware and know that there are implications that that are of of, um, of security and, and defense uh, uh, issues um, so this is that's the reason why I also say that, that we need to take a human rights approach, because if we go back in time to the 1950s, we have seen relo- forced relocations of our people for US military base to be built. Uh, we still today have environmental, um, actually, disasters uh, locally going on uh, in Greenland from military presence, mostly US military presence. So. Uh, For history not to repeat itself, we must be very, very aware of these things and, again, take a human rights approach to that development.
1: It must act accordingly to to our knowledge and to our experience. That's usually what um, lacks human decision-making process we know better but we still decide for something which might be an easier solution Mm. so what i would love to to go back to is um the uh, the the ability of of uh, adapting to changing environments which is very much one of the main features of um not only inuit people but all indigenous people in the arctic region what can can the can the, the nations, the Arctic nations, or even other nations around the globe learn from from uh, indigenous people in terms of adapting? Because what we face right now is not only a change, it's a very fast change, mm. much faster than usually. So the, the, the time of adaption usually spans much more years than it's now. We have to, to adopt much, much uh, quicker now. What can mm-hmm. we learn from, from that?
2: Well... Although we also have locally in Greenland our challenges in regards to uh, pollution uh, in, in different ways, I think that those people who sometimes say that the term or the or the or the sort of the the idea of sustainability is actually something that was inherent in in Inuit culture before. Um, to survive in the Arctic, we needed to use every part of the animal that we caught. We needed every single human resource to make sure that we were able to, to live through a cold winter. Um, so to optimize the resources that you have, to 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 uh, manage our resources sustainably, that is something that is basically not strange for us because that is what we have been practicing for thousands of years. Um, so so without sounding too romantic about this because I'm very aware that we have our own uh, responsibility and challenges in regards to pollution. The Arctic is a very difficult place to live in, in regards to, to, to infrastructure. Um, I think that there's some philosophy behind sustainability that we should go back and look at from Arctic peoples. Um, because what made it possible to live in the Arctic was all the time to be very, very aware to optimize whatever resource that we had and and make sure that we could come back and those animals were still there to be caught, that we delivered our knowledge to the next generation so that you could continue to live in a a harsh environment such as the Arctic Uh, and also be sure to use all of the human resources uh, available uh, and the knowledge generated from that uh, in order to, to survive an Arctic environment.
1: How does this traditional knowledge, which is gathered over centuries, how does that change? How does that phase out? I, I have the impression visiting, um, especially villages in southeast or northwest Greenland, that um, this traditional hunting doesn't play that significant role it used to do, and by that the the elderly have no not much of a chance to to transfer their knowledge to younger mm. generations. Mm. How does that? Um, knowledge change and how could it be preserved?
2: Well, I think definitely we have a task in regards to collecting knowledge. Um, we need to to be sure that we uh, for the time after us have collected uh, knowledge that is generated by generations among us, because you're, you're right when you're saying that some knowledge is at this point with the rapid change of climate um, difficult to apply in practice, so so I think that that we it also shows the actual um, speed of climate change that this is happening. Uh, although I would say that that on a on a on a general note, a lot of traditional knowledge is still applicable. Um, yes, the ice is changing, um, but we have so many different words for different kinds of ice, so we know how to call it. Although it's changing, or what to call it. Uh, yes, weather patterns are changing and we see animals move out and, and, and in, in, for example, from our waters, that other fish species are there and, and others are disappearing. Um, so there we need to use that traditional knowledge that we have about the ability to adapt, right? And also transform, transfer that to uh, our way of managing in a larger scale. So when we are managing our fisheries, which for Greenland makes up more than 90 of our export uh, at the moment, um, then we have to be very quick at adapting. Um, so it's all the time of about uh, finding a balance in regards to, 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 to taking in new technologies, taking new, in new knowledge, but not forgetting what we know from our traditional way of life. Uh, and it, that balance is very difficult to find and it takes a lot of energy and, and dialogue and, and, and long processes to make sure. But but I'm, I am convinced that the effort uh, and the energy used in it is, is, uh, is something that will benefit us in the end.
1: Well, we can see when we just have a look at the um, areas populated by Inuit, you know, we see a lot of scattered places. It's um, not, not much big population centers, it's rather small, remote um, settlements, and we can also see in those settlements that it's quite difficult to actually make a living there, apart from a traditional living, Mm. from um, traditional hunting. Um, We also see at the same time that those nations, which are covering the area populated by Inuit, also try to build up their national infrastructure, providing education, health service, um, infrastructure, which clashes two systems. And you can see that in, in some of the remote places, uh, the people are a little bit lost between the worlds, between their traditional um, culture and between the Western culture, mm. which is implemented there. Um, do you have any experience there, how that is going on in, in Greenland? and? what a solution could be.
2: Mm. Well, that is what we've actually been more or less working on for the last 40 years, since we had our uh, Home Rule Agreement uh, inaugurated in 1979, to be sure to build a system now that we are in power ourselves, that actually fits our people uh, and not try to change people into fitting the system. It is a very difficult task, also because in Greenland's case, we have built our society, and that is a, both a good thing, but also has challenges on uh, the basis and by inspiration of the Nordic welfare model, where education is free, health services free, um, and 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 we are based on an, on, on developing uh, uh, our society uh, on an equal level for all. Uh, uh, who live there, uh, <clears throat> so it brings with it a lot of good values, I think, but at the same time a lot of challenges, we see it on our school system that we are struggling with all the time to make it actually uh, successful. Uh, we see it on our health system where, where it's difficult uh, to implement a system That fits a a Nordic society where you have few people living on relatively small area in a, in a country where the island is two, uh, how much is it? Uh, Two million square kilometers for only 56,000, right? So, um, it's all the time about being aware that our context is different from where we sort of, um, uh, um, adopted our, our administrative system from. Uh, and, and and be ready to adapt it to actually fit the culture and the people that that live in our country, and that has not suce- we have not succeeded in that, in 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 on all areas, uh, but when we succeed, it is because we sit down and actually go through, okay, what 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 are our values as a culture and as a people based on, and how do we adapt that, to 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 this system. Uh, where we want also, of course, a, a modern welfare nation where, where everybody has a chance to thrive.
1: Is there an attempt to um, include the traditional knowledge into the schooling system?
2: Yes, and uh, there's a reform of the schooling system that has been uh, in effect since 2002, where sort of the core uh, thinking behind it is to include our traditional uh, way of thinking. Um, I think you can debate whether it has been successful or not but it is something that has been worked on um, theoretically and also in practice since 2002.
1: In regards of climate change and especially with the um, geographical uh, position of Greenland being covered by this huge ice shield, um, you see a lot of scientists coming in doing research on several aspects of the ice cap and the melt of the ice. Is the traditional knowledge of local people somehow included in there? Are they participating on that researches?
2: Not enough. Uh, but if you look at, the, for example, the declaration of the latest Inuit Circumpolar Council uh, General Assembly, which took place last summer in Ukiyafik in, 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 in Alaska, uh, you will see that there's a whole section on indigenous knowledge or Inuit knowledge. And also there, um, uh, one of the tasks those four years that that will go from 2018 to 2022 for the next General Assembly is to promote the inclusion of indigenous knowledge and research. So we have a lot of experts on that area that work particularly on the issue of including indigenous knowledge in, in, in various kinds of all kinds of research um, that will be able to tell you much more about that. Uh, but it is an, an issue that is high on the agenda because we have seen for decades that researchers come into the Arctic and, and actually don't really include the knowledge that is already there.
1: With the changing Arctic, is also a huge change in geopolitics. It's a big interest in um, economic possibilities and chances uh, that are opening up there. That also puts the Inuit people, not only in Greenland, but all over the Arctic, in a, a different, different light and a different perspective. How do they participate uh, on on? on that geopolitical debate?
2: Well, I can only speak on that in regards to how it works in Greenland, because I don't know how it works in Canada, Alaska, and Jakarta. But in Greenland, as I said in the beginning of the interview, uh, we de facto do foreign policy, security policy, and and defense policy. For example, when we we take decisions on how to build our airports, uh, how to structure our our infrastructure. what kind of of mineral to mine, um, or how our law, for example, on large-scale development projects should look like. Uh, Because of the interest in the Arctic, because of the superpowers that are in the Arctic, these things that seemingly seemingly could be uh, domestic issues, they actually have implications on, on security and defense areas. Um, and that is why I think that, 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 uh, in a construction where we have self-government, such as the relation between Greenland and Denmark, uh, we cannot actually separate, uh, internal affairs from external affairs. Um, although if we look at the self-government act, so the law, it clearly says that defense and security issues is a matter of the state, so Denmark. Um, so yes. According to the law, that, that is the fact. Uh, but another fact is also that when we take decisions in Greenland, they have implications on these areas. So my recommendation is actually that Greenland, we get our own Arctic policy, that we develop our own Arctic strategy, that, that of course, when needed, we do that in a confidential uh, forum but also have a, a strategy, a paper that that others can look at and, and know what are the values that we have, what are, what is the development we want, how do we want our future to look like, um, and where do we where would we need to collaborate with different actors? Um, I think that that a better transparency on those areas would be very helpful.
1: I, I totally agree. It also uh, leads to the next question. We see a lot of Land changes are happening due to um, changing uh, Arctic, changing environment, opening up more possibilities for, uh, for example, for mining or for um, exploration um, offshore. Mm. Is there kind of a policy or a strategy within Greenland how to um, to use that new wealth?
2: Well, uh, the strategy, the strategies right now, they are they are sort of case-specific. So there's a mineral and and, and, and gas strategy, um, for example. Uh, but again, you can't separate that from other policy areas. So so that is why that, that I think that, that Greenland should have a sort of a, an overarching strategy of how we want to see our nation develop in the Arctic um, so that we have a clearer voice in that sense um, because what we see as soon as we enter into these issues that are of uh, foreign policy, security and defense uh, issues, uh, our voice is, is becomes smaller it becomes less significant for the states. So in order for us to stay at the table to stay uh, to, to, to maintain a voice that is actually heard, we have to be very clear on what our own thoughts and, 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 and visions for the future are. Um, so so um, I keep getting back to that uh, thing that uh, that I think is very, very um, important, that we are clearer and have more transparency on uh, what we actually want for our own future, so that we can maintain a clear voice, uh, even in times as as we see now, where the security issues are, are again climbing up the agenda in the Arctic. Travelling up. I, I'll
1: have to go. Okay. Um, one last question. Yeah. Travelling up to um, local communities, you see um, that the perception of climate change is much different from from Western countries. You see a lot of very positive feedback. Actually, mm. uh, people are se- as, uh, seeing the climate change. Or changing environment as a big opportunity, a big chance. Mm. How how do you um, perceive that?
2: Well, I think that that the, in general, people in Greenland are worried about the climate changing. Um, I think locally, uh, in some aspects, yes, it is opening up new new possibilities. We see the cod coming back in our waters, for example. Um, we know that that last time there was a lot of cod in our waters, we had a very good economy. We, our economy was was uh, in progress. Um, so, so I I understand that locally that that there are people that 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 in that local area see changes that might seem positive or be positive for them in that situation. But I'm also convinced that the general public in Greenland and the majority is very worried about climate change. And we have also seen the, the Fridays for Future demonstrations uh, among youth in Greenland as well. Um, so definitely our youth is, is very, very worried about climate change as are my generation and the generation before me and those before us, for example, in the, in the Inuit Circumpolar Council, who are actually some of the first people internationally to bring up climate change on the international agenda. Um, so I think we have the whole range of different opinions, but the sort of majority opinion is, is, is that we are affected by climate change. And it is deeply worrying that, that uh, the, ch- the climate is, is changing so fast.
1: Thank you very much for your time.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: Wow, that's interesting. So um, where next? Where next?
1: Uh, next will be John Kerry will John be the, the the keynote speech of John Kerry. So uh, Sarah has given us a, a beautiful insight from from uh, a Greenlandic perspective. We have had the scientific base with Anya uh, from Mosaic and um, another scientific base layer with uh, Peter and now we're getting into a political scale with John Kerry.
0: Okay, that's in the next episode. Um and uh yeah, we'll be back with that in a week from now and until then you can of course reach us at the usual ways you can go to our website curiouslypolar.com and uh, find ways to contact us there or follow us on twitter twitter uh, we're we're curiouslypolar on twitter and uh, we'd be happy to get you involved with your questions or insights or inputs um, whatever you think fits here Um, we're happy to hear from you until then take care everyone